0: Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Together, we will turn our shared concern about the state of our environment into a force for change. It will require you to reimagine the role of your home kitchen as more than a warehouse of food or a room where we cook and gather to eat. The time has come to enter your kitchen with eyes open to the transformative power it harnesses for the planet and you. The Home Kitchen has always been ground zero for positive environmental and social change, waiting for you to take your position as a kitchen activist. Now that you arrived, you will change the world with what you eat. Welcome. I'm Florencia Ramirez, the kitchen activist, and I am so glad you're here. Today's um, topic is called Shop for Foods Without Fossil Fuels. Before I really dig into action steps on how you can easily start just paying attention to this issue of fossil fuels in our food is to just take a moment to think about what's happening in Maui and to send love and light to the people who have lost everything. Some people who've lost their lives. I think the, the latest count I saw this morning was a 100 people so far have perished in the fire. And then people who are figuring out how do they rebuild because their homes are gone, their businesses, so many small businesses. I had the, the great opportunity to go to Lahaina Several years back, it was when my oldest daughter, who's now 20, was like one years old. It was such a beautiful, small town, mostly wood, older buildings, historical site that you just think is always going to be there. And that's the thing is that we have this feeling of permanence around places around the world that we love. Or we know about, right? We think, oh, Venice, Italy, it's always going to be there. New York City, Manhattan, it's always going to be there. Lahaina, it's always going to be there. And then these things happen and they're gone because no place is immune to climate change. And this is truly an event that was caused by climate change. The fires that came in so fast, so hot, so furious was as a result of climate change. And I was glad to see many breaking stories on what happened in Maui was naming it because it has taken this long for these events to be in the same breath that climate change is part of the reason for these types of very extreme weather events. I really like the way Reuters specifically handled the breaking news coverage of this story when they said, Human-caused climate change driven by fossil fuel use is increasing the frequency and intensity of such extreme weather events. Scientists say having long warned that government officials must slash emissions to prevent climate catastrophe. That is really important because we need the news and these different platforms that have such huge audiences to connect the dots for us that these events, these tragedies are as a result of fossil fuels that are causing these extreme weather events as a result of climate change. So while this is playing out in front of our eyes, what's happening in Maui and really across the world right now of wildfires that are just wiping people's livelihoods and lives away, there's also things to celebrate. And it's really important that we, at least for myself, that I need to To know the good things that are going on, because otherwise it starts to feel really heavy. Then you start to feel like, oh, what can I do? It's just, it's too late. There's nothing I can do that can really unwrite this story. We have to pay attention to what's at stake, right? A few episodes back, I asked the question, what's at stake? It's really important as activists to always ask that question so that we are staying on track, that we're continuing to move forward. We continue to keep the action part alive and well in our daily round. So when I answered the question for myself, it was everything. Everything is at stake when we talk about climate change. And we saw that in Maui. But at the same time, we also need to celebrate our successes and our gains and put energy and thought into things we want to grow. So the same time that we're watching what's going on in Maui unfold, there's a ruling that came out in Montana. I don't know if you heard about it, but there's a great article in the New York Times about it, and I will have that in the show notes. But the cases held versus Montana And it alleged that the state violated the constitutional rights of 16 youth plaintiffs aged 2 to 18 years old. Specifically, the lawsuit claimed that Montana had violated the plaintiff's right to clean and healthful environment, because that is what is is stated in the Constitution of Montana. And the state violated the rights of these plaintiffs by passing a law that barred the state from considering the climate impacts of potential fossil fuel projects. So the state had never before rejected a fossil fuel project. So the attorneys on behalf of these plaintiffs argued successfully, so that is Phenomenal. That was a huge success. We will see if it holds past the Montana Supreme Court. It may even go to this, our Supreme Court, but it's important. These conversations that are being had in courtrooms, in boardrooms, in our kitchens, we need to have these conversations everywhere and connecting the dots again between fossil fuels and climate change, and these terrible, tragic events that we're watching unfold in real time. So that brings me to today's topic, which is how do you shop for foods without fossil fuels? Let me give you some statistics to chew on before I dive in to the action part, which is agriculture contributes 20% of greenhouse gas emissions. We get these numbers, and sometimes it's hard, at least for me, to understand them. But then I understand them when I see it in a smaller unit. And that's why Water Footprint, for me, is so helpful. Because you could say, we're using 70% of all water to grow our food, which then tell me it takes 11 gallons of water to make one slice of bread. Or it takes 32 gallons of water to produce one glass of wine. Or 1,800 gallons of water to produce one pound of beef. For me, you have this big number and then break that down into units that I understand. So when we talk about fossil fuels and how much um, greenhouse gas emissions is caused by food production, conventional food production, Then you tell me, well, if you produce a two pound box of breakfast cereal, which I get that, right? It is equivalent to burning half a gallon of gasoline. So then that I understand, right? One box of breakfast cereal requires a half a gallon of gasoline. And then the question is, well, where is that coming from? We have a tendency to think, that most fossil fuels when it comes to the production of food is as a result of the transportation of food across the globe and yes that's one part of it but that is just a small piece of it really most of that is coming from pesticides petroleum based fertilizers farm equipment overwhelmingly greenhouse gas emission is not coming from the transport of food, but in the production, in the production of food. The average family of four in the developed world uses 930 gallons of gasoline a year in our food. 900 gallons of gasoline is required to make food for a family of four. We can compare that to something else that we understand. 1,070 gallons of gasoline is required to fuel the cars in the average family of four. And again, for the average food consumption of that same size family, it's 930 gallons. How do we strip fossil fuels out of our food? How can we move away from that? And it really comes down to who are we aligning with? What type of food production are we aligning with? In my book, Eat Less Water, where I'm really trying to answer the question of how can I waste less water, eat less water through my food choices, the same answers that I came up with of how we can use less water with food production are exactly the same as then how can we use less fossil fuels in our food? It is organic, organic, organic food, really. And regenerative, like these small-scale farmers who are growing food, healthy food, more nutritious food for us. And at the same time, it is moving away from fossil fuels. It's moving away from fossil fuels because they're not using petroleum-based fertilizers. And they are not using, cause that is disallowed in organic agriculture, nor are they using chemical pesticides, which is a byproduct of petroleum. And more and more are moving away from farm equipment that is fueled by fossil fuels. You know, things like bringing in solar panels and other renewable energies onto the farm. Those are the things that we need to look for and reward our food producers, with our dollars, right? I mean, dollars are energy. That's it. It's currency. Currency is just energy converted into money, right? So when we support agriculture that is moved away from fossil fuels, what we're doing that by giving them that Energy in the form of currency so that they can continue their energy of producing this food because they can't do it without us. In my book, one of the chapters is called Rice and Water, a phenomenal farm that was in Cajun Country, Louisiana. And Kurt, the farmer, rice farmer, produced foods, produced rice without fossil fuels and was so passionate about the food that he was growing and the nutrition that it produced for his community. And it had much lower levels of arsenic, which is an issue when rice is grown in flooded fields. But he had to close down his farm because there just wasn't the infrastructure to support the work he was doing. In order for him to get paid for organic rice, he had to sell it in Texas. And then by traveling that distance from where he was located in Louisiana, and then there was a fee for crossing the border to Texas. In other words, the infrastructure wasn't there to support him and his organic rice. And then taking it to the farmer's market in New Orleans was, was a financial stream, but not enough. And so we need to support these farmers at our farmers markets, but also finding them online as well and finding them, supporting them, buying their product in bulk, which I did before he went out of business, got like a 20 pound bag of rice. And then unfortunately, I can't do that anymore. He's one farmer that represents so many other people who are so passionate and committed to produce food without fossil fuels, but they can't do it alone. And then eventually their bank accounts run dry. They need energy, our energy from currency to continue to do this work. So when we go to the farmer's market, we are kitchen activists. When we shop for food, that don't have petroleum we are partnering with a solution so that things like what we see in maui can't happen anymore we want those things to stop and the way that we can do it simply is by changing what we're doing in our kitchens and a big way is to shop for foods that are organic that are regenerative and I keep using that word regenerative and you're going to keep hearing me say it because essentially it means agriculture that is giving back more than it takes. It is not extractive the way that fossil fuels are is is extractive. It's extracting resources. It's extracting the health of the communities around it. It's extracting, um, Water that's part of the whole drilling process. And then as a result, causing pollution. And that's what the young people, the plaintiffs in Montana argued successfully to the judge in that courtroom was that their constitutional rights are not honored when you say that everybody in Montana deserves a clean and healthful environment. If the state is not looking at the climate, impacts of fossil fuels. And we need to look at, as consumers, as individual kitchen activists, we can look at what are the climate impacts on the food that we're purchasing when it is conventionally grown. And when it's conventionally grown, it is part of this extractive fossil fuels agricultural system that has to change. It has to change. There's no way around it. We need to change the way we're eating. We need to think differently about our contributions and how we can contribute to the solution. And our kitchens is a fantastic and powerful place to begin because it's something that we're doing all the time. We are always shopping for food. Every week we're shopping for food. Every day we're shopping for food. So if we can harness that power for good and really start to think about how we can eat more nutritious foods for us, which, by the way, also happen to be better for the environment. So there's a relationship. The food that we bring in when it's more healthy for rivers, for soil, for air, when it has a lower greenhouse gas emissions, it is also better for our bodies. So the action step is when you go to the farmer's market, go to the farmer's market. First off, shop your farmer's market, shop those farms, shop those CSAs, shop your ice cream shop that is purchasing organic milk to make their ice creams or that coffee roaster who is directly purchasing beans from small farms that are growing shade-grown coffee, for example, that is grown without fossil fuels. Or the baker who is fermenting their sourdough using grains that are organic. So all of those Little. little things add up to big things. It really does. And if you and I are doing things different in the kitchen every day, we will change this world with what we eat. Hopefully at this point, you're thinking, Yes, yes, I want to shop for foods without fossil fuels, but Florencia, how do I do that? Like, okay, so if I go to the farmer's market, how do I know it's organic? You ask, you ask the question, simple. You, you go to the vendor, you ask them, do you grow foods with pesticides, with chemical pesticides? And they'll tell you, they'll tell you yes or no. You can ask the question, um, Do you use petroleum-based fertilizers? So those are like the two main questions that I ask. And what you'll hear, because oftentimes these small farms that you find at the farmer's market are not certified organic. And certification, third-party certification like organic is important when you're in the aisles of a grocery store and there's nobody there to ask the question to. That's when it's important. But when you're at a farmer's market or in a small a small shop and you can ask them directly these questions, then it doesn't become as important to have a third party to to tell me whether or not this is organic. I'm the third party asking those questions. And then the thing about it is you only have to go through that process one time. So you ask those questions. A lot of times they'll say it's pesticide free because it's not certified organic. As you listened more, or if you grab my book, eat less water, you'll, you'll get even more dialed in with details about what more questions that you can ask specific to different types of food production. For example, what are the questions you would ask if you're buying coffee beans versus cheese? They're not exactly the same questions, but the overarching question would be, are you using chemicals? Are you using petroleum based fertilizers? And if they say no to both of the, those things, then at least for me, then you get my business. And you only have to ask those questions one time. When I go to my farmer's market, my favorite is the one that's closest to me, which is the Channel Islands Farmer's Market. It's right on the harbor in Oxnard. I love it. I love, love, love that one. It's on Sundays. And I already have my go-to people for, for everything because I've already had the conversations And then it's great because through the years have come to know them. They've come to know me where you start to build these relationships. And then the food no longer is anonymous, but rather is attached to the people who produce them and they start to tell stories. When I walk into my kitchen and I open my refrigerator, for example, my food tells stories to me because much of what I have in there is attached to the people and places that I purchase them. And that also has its own special richness. That's what I'll leave you with this week, that action step of Shop for Foods Without Fossil Fuels. It is climate action. It is the best way I can think of for us to be, to empower ourselves, to be part of the solution, to watch what's happening, to see what's what at stake when we watch what's happening um, unfold in real time in Hawaii and around the world. But we can do something about it and we can do something about it today, right now with your next meal. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey and I will see you again next week, Wednesday. It is my birthday tomorrow. I'll be 50 and my birthday wish is If you would simply review this podcast, star it, leave a written review, it really does help for other people to find us. And if you have read Eat Less Water, if you would leave me a review on Amazon or Goodreads, that would be phenomenal. So thank you so, so much. Let's stay connected. Sign up for my newsletter and receive more tips in your inbox weekly and 15% off your first purchase at the Eat Less Water shop. You can also find me on your favorite social media space at Eat Less Water. Please remember to hit subscribe and leave a review, even if it's only the star rating, because every one of them will increase the chances of other like-minded folks to find us. Thank you for joining me on this journey to eat less water. Together, we will write the story of well-being for this planet. We have the privilege to call home. Meet you back here every Wednesday. There is power in the collective.